I'd just like to ask you a few questions. If you're, if you want to answer, that'd be great. Um, how many of you are able between the inhale and the exhale to find yourself lost in thoughts? That's honest, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking as we were sitting there, you know how, what a little bit of time that is. But I could catch myself doing the same thing, just being, and I was coming back to the inhale and, and to the exhale, but there's a lot of room in between those two. And what do you, can you see a, a, a pattern or can, can you see what kind of thoughts you typically get in that, in that, uh, very short period of time? Do you have a favorite thought you get lost with? Or a favorite kind of habitual pattern of thoughts? Those are favorites. Sometimes I feel like you have thoughts that you've just been waiting for an opportunity to find. And so when the meditation happens, it's like, okay, oh yeah, that, that stuff I was thinking about, now I'm thinking about it. Yeah. If I meditate regularly enough, those don't come up as much. But if it's been a while, it's like, oh yeah, all those things, all that, that stuff pops back out. It's not even a specific thought as much as like, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like that. On your clarification on the lost in thought, in your thoughts, okay. I guess when I say lost, I mean like what we're doing is coming supposed to be staying with our breath, right? Not following our breath through our bodies, but staying with the inhale and then staying with the exhale again. So when I say lost in thought, that's what we're doing most of the time in our lives. So it means I'm maybe uh, in a story, or I'm, I'm seeing a thought and thinking, uh, oh yeah, I, you know, I was going to... Uh, that it might be an interesting thought, an interesting idea, or like, I love what you said, it's something that maybe we haven't had time to think about, but it's up there, right? Um, so it, it, we're with it. So when I say lost in our thoughts, I guess I'm, I'm speaking about compared to relative to the, what we're doing, what we're wanting to be doing is to stay, inhale and exhale. Well, that's a that's a very good. I mean, that's a a good, very good thought. It might mean that we need to have just quiet time before or after we meditate. Like that might be a good signal that, oh, gee, maybe I need to sit down and just think sometimes. Like give ourselves that. And if you have a busy life, that can be hard to do. Do you have kids at home? Uh, well, there you go. <laughs> if you have a moment to yourself, they know it. They hone in on it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, those because those are that's the way our lives are, right? We have a lot of noise in our lives, and we have a lot of 
uh, people needing things and things like jobs that people expect us, you know, to stay and be focused in a job. So, yeah, it might be that we just need we need more space to be lost in those thoughts. That's not a bad thing. But we can see, and, and Todd, like you said, there's a lot of that, okay, did I get everything done? It's, it's, it's like a to-do list, right? And what do I have to do before I can go to bed tonight? Or do I ha- have to stop at a grocery store? You know, that you can just see a mental check, 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 check list. I figured out... That's a great, that's a just good suggestion. Sensitivity of driving in itself, just the act of heightened awareness of you know, safety. You know, it, it takes a few minutes to bring that down to just walk in here. Mm-hmm. And, and this room should be quiet for people to do that. So um, that's a really good idea. Try to, try to give yourself some extra time so you can just come and sit and have a delicious thought or have that period of just relaxing and to... Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea to help because it, we don't have a lot of quiet time in our lives generally. And if we do, we try to put a lot of noise into those. You know, it's, uh, it's easy to introduce noise even if we have a quiet life. We can find ways to jazz it up, you know, with sound. So what else did, uh-huh? Yeah, even even in loving kindness, we're we're being guided, right? But we can. Someone told me once they had to, they had when it came to their loved ones, they had such a big family that they got so distracted thinking of all the people that they had to remember, and then they'd get, oh, did I forget somebody? So, you know, sometimes I'll say, just maybe think of just a few of your loved ones. Because I know a lot of people really are, are trying to think of every, every person that fits that category. And the thing is, the more we practice and the more we are living this life, the, that group gets bigger and bigger, you know, because it starts including people that maybe we didn't have in that category before. So, yeah, and then even if we just have a few people, it's thinking, oh, I need to call. That's another thing on the list. Oh, I need to call. <laughs> yeah, our minds, our minds love it when we sit down to meditate. I mean, they want, they think, now's my chance. It's, now's my chance to get his full attention. He's been busy all day. And so we're training our minds 
to be more cooperative with us, you know. We're training our minds to to kind of let go of that grip. But we but it is a tra- it is training. So it's well it's good to look and see what are our favorite distractions? What are our what are the habit uh, habitual thinking patterns we have? Uh, for some people it might be they're just fine, but then suddenly maybe there's somebody uh, near them making a lot of noise, or some you know there's there's traffic sounds that bother them. So maybe they their distraction becomes why isn't this place quieter, or why do the why do the cars in the summer, you know, keep their windows rolled down and the music up really loud. And uh, that can be their habitual kind of pattern, like finding something that's irritating, and it's irritating their senses. Uh, and and that can become a whole thing in itself. If the if you smell uh, too strong, uh, sometimes some of the flowers, if they've been here for a while, if we've had a big event, and they it starts smelling like a funeral home to me. And it'll just be one time, but it's usually after there've been a lot of lots going on, and uh, and that faint smell can just become like I just want to, you know, start rubbing my nose and looking around at the offending arrangement. Uh, but we find little things like that that we can. Our senses are just waiting for something like that to let them play with us. So, so we're guarding, we're guarding our, this time, we're, we're guarding those sense doors. Because once we, once we let that stuff in, then our mind has something wonderful to interact with. And we can create emotions from that. Because I like it, I don't like it. Or think of the things that you're in, you, you're neutral about that maybe a year ago, really bothered you, like traffic sounds, or uh, we used to all talk a lot about the temperature of the room, if the floor heater worked or not, and it seems like we get over that after several years of it not working. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. it's not so important. You just dress for the occasion, be ready to layer up. But... W- so we're we're guarding our sense doors and our mind is one of our senses but that mind starts interacting with everything that comes in and it just has a field day and if we're being quiet if we're not engaged in something you know it can be i i know that i know when i did the 10 day vipassana oh my goodness my mind was just creating things out of out of nothing, in just in between those breaths, uh, I was I was like in making outer space movies in my head. I was in it. I was lost in it, in a different reality. Uh-huh. Um, there's a the, the the there's a group vipassana. The word means insight, but there is also a group called. Uh, the Vipassana, and they uh, have a have a, a 
a way to meditate that was there in the Theravadan tradition, but they have from Burma, where the tradition originated, they have teachers working uh, for a long time. Certain monks were teaching specific uh, ways working with the breath. And so that group now does 10-day meditation retreats. They have about a 100 centers, I think, in this country. They're all over the world. And there's no cost to them. Um, at the end of it, you can make a donation if you like, but you go and stay in a retreat setting, a real kind of bare bones, but you're meditating from early morning until like maybe between 9 and 10 at night. And uh, two meals, you have breakfast and lunch and then tea, just tea uh, later for, for an evening meal. And they're, it took me, I, I first heard about them in the early 80s. I was living in Japan and some friends of mine wanted to take this this thing and and I just said, no, I, there's no way I'm going to do anything like that. I just couldn't even imagine meditating, much less doing it for 10 days. And and so my life obviously changed somewhere after that. But it's a it's there's actually one near Rockford. There's one of the centers. So if if you're ever interested in a 10 day meditation, that's we've got a center an hour from here. Um, and once you do it one time, you can come back and do it shorter periods of time. So they, there are a lot of good things about it. But it's I think that first time we do those, it's kind of, we're challenging ourselves. Like, can I survive 10 days? Can I do it? And there are all kinds of stories, you know, like the people who run away on the third day and the, uh, the people who disappear in the middle of the night and sneak out. So there are lots of great stories like that. But uh, I, watching my mind, was it, it was very powerful because I thought, I, un, it's unbelievable how, how far my mind could go after, you know, you get, you get bored, you get uncomfortable, you get, you get into a, everybody creates a little nest, and you're okay for a while, and then, then everything falls apart at certain times, and uh, you just experience an, a wide range of uh, internal drama. But I discovered I had a lot of cinematography experience somewhere <laughs> stashed away, <laughs> a lot of science fiction movies, and I was so completely lost up in it, I would... Uh, I mean, I would catch myself being in another, another outer space adventure, and in you know, just like that, I could be gone. So it was a humbling experience. <laughs> I think I think some days would some days were uh, could be kind of smooth, but it but it. It didn't follow any kind of a uh, regular pattern. I sort of thought, I was thinking, oh, day by day five, things might get smooth, and it it became maybe more physically comfortable as it went on. But the mind 
does its own thing. Uh-huh. I have a question about dealing with comfort or just physical problems while meditating. I feel like that's what takes my mind a lot away often, like sitting in deep breath. Hey, someone heard this or that hurts. There's no way I can focus on anything but try not to be upset about those things. Uh, yeah, that those are things that we, we can learn to work with with our meditation so we don't... Uh, uh, so for me, if I have a, a pain like in my hip or something and it's hard to sit, that'll take my attention. And Bonte and I were talking about that just a little bit before. And um, if, we're, if we identify too much with that pain... Uh, my head's killing me. We we start identifying with it too much, so we start. It's ours. This is my pain, and we can uh, stay with it. But other times, if if you, what I often will do if I have a headache is just breathe into it, and and just acknowledge it's there, but just breathe into it, and and. A lot of times that headache's gone before the meditation is over. So I think there are some techniques to work with body pain that can help. But one thing... What? Willfully choosing not to suffer or have it be a negative thing. Yeah, yes. And also, don't, uh, don't, if we label it as mine, then it it might stay with us even more. So it's acknowledging it and accepting it, but then sometimes it's good with pain um, to even look at it. Just look at it from different viewpoints and think, well, you know, it's not like solid pain. There's maybe a throbbing to it, or there's a rise and a fall. It's not just pain. It can be... Uh, it can go up and down. It can go, you know, it can be more intense. And then, and you might find that if you breathe and sense yourself like breathing into that spot, you might see the pattern changes or the, uh, but be willing to let it go. You know, don't, don't hold on to it too much. Try to open it up. Try to let it, just imagine just the opening up to uh, let, let it let it go and some of it we can just uh, be with if it's if it's from our posture or um, I, I I don't do well suffering through a pain in my body from sitting but I've heard different people talk about just like the way they learned to sit was to just endure the discomfort until they forgot about it that's that's does that doesn't work well for me, but I've heard. And that's that's working with it. That's good. Uh huh. Feel 
They're just releasing on the exhale. Yeah. And I find that works. It's... Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we tell people they can do that, but most people will think, unless everybody else is getting up and walking, they feel uncomfortable doing it. But... Um, it's it's fine to do that to, to or a lot of people will get up from the cushion and sit in a chair and then come back yeah and that's those are good things to do or it might be if you've got certain physical issues walking meditation may be preferable for your body and that's that's good um, we can you know we can we can work with our posture in different ways it and being on your back is a good way, but I find that when I've done that in retreats, people fall asleep so quickly on their back. I mean, some people will stay awake, but if somebody's at all tired, they'll be out, and if that's okay, but if they're snoring, it's not okay for the other people in the group. <laughs> Yeah, I, when I was in Sri Lanka at one at one uh, retreat center, they they were very. It was very good about allowing people in the not a super big room, but to uh, sit and then get you could get up and walk in the center of the room, or you could stand up. And I found that stand getting up and standing was really good for me. Just standing. It, I could I could really feel things kind of get to a better place, and that's okay to do here. Yeah, we have. Thank you for your professional advice about that. But, but you know, think about where your body tends to hold. Uh, what's the favorite part of your body that hurts when you when you're, you know, if you're if if you're in distress. Is it, it might be your head, or it could be your gut, or lower back in your jaw. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I discovered I grind my teeth at night. I had a terrible, uh, I thought my teeth were on fire. So I thought my teeth, I couldn't figure out what tooth was bad, and my whole mouth was in pain. And I went to the dentist, and she just said, well, do you have a mouth guard? I said, yeah, but I don't. Doesn't I don't wear it anymore? And she said, "Well, it's your jaw that's you're just grinding away at night, and it what there there was no tooth infected. It was just all this going on. So yeah, we have some powerful parts in our body that can cause a lot of discomfort and pain when we when we they're they're at work when we least expect it, right? So sometimes that if you know those parts of your body. You can become really familiar with them, and when they're starting, you can become really sensitive to uh, uh, something's rising in you because you you begin to know your body well enough. And so, 
when that happens, if you work with your breath, you can often relax that part of your body and can be really helpful. Um, there's a there's a meditation I've been working with lately and doing it with different groups, and it's it's Tara Brock's meditation with rain, the recognize, accept, investigate, and then return to uh, nurture, and then returning to a neutral position. But in it, she's she had that you're working with something as you're meditating. If you recognize. Uh, an emotion that comes, that just kind of drops down into your, into your mind or into your practice. And you can work with that emotion, that emotional state from a certain situation using the, the acronym R-A-I-N, recognize, allow, investigate, and then the nurturing and returning to neutral is how you end it. But in, in it, she says, as you're, as you're investigating this emotion that you see, you can, she says, in part of it, like, even let your face get the, get the expression on your face that that emotion evokes. So, you know, if you're meditating, everybody's, even in a group, your eyes are closed. And it's amazing if you allow your face to get into that, like if it, you know, if it's your jaw or something that you, you know, there. If it's anger, think of the face you might make if you're really angry about something, or if you're sad, and that that getting your face into that position is really powerful. And then you have to have that ending part, the nurturing and the returning to neutral, because. You've been working with how does this emotion feel as it arises in your body? And how does it feel when you allow your face to become contorted or just get into that, uh, whatever that sense is? Because then you have to undo that. And the last group I was working with with that, someone said they could feel their whole body squeezing, just, just getting like a sausage almost and they needed that they needed the 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 nurturing and the returning to neutral just to keep they needed that to be longer just to kind of shake it off get it out of your body because you don't want to get stuck with <laughs> you don't want to get stuck with that we need to know how to breathe and relax and let go of those things that's true with the physical stuff, but it's true. It's really true with the emotional things we carry. Those those carry a big wallop with us uh, in our bodies. Well, thank you, everybody, for your good talk. <laughs>